it's awe. That's what I feel, complete awe, because here I'm meeting, you know, 10 or 15 new people who have been trained to think the way I think and who are excited to meet us and to say, oh, I can't wait to show you what I'm doing. I can't wait to show you how I present a class and how I chat with a student. In this past year, Felicity and I and our whole entire team, like everyone has grown so much and we're so proud of every single one of them. But I think the clear thing that's come out is that we really know who we are. Like we really understand what we have. We really know where it's going. I share it all the time. I say, if Maria Montessori walked down the street, she'd look in the windows and say, this is exactly what I meant. This is exactly it. And I'm very confident in that. You know, I know I become more sensitive and tuned in a bit more, but I've also become more skeptical and it's out of protection for everybody else and the brand and our students and these families and these communities. They deserve the best. A good kitchen produces good food, but a great kitchen brings people together. Welcome to Meet Me in the Kitchen, a podcast inspired by Little Kitchen Academy, exploring the key ingredients to a meaningful life and how they are changing lives from scratch. Here's my dad and your host, Scott Rintoul. Unless someone asks you to think about it, it's not easy to recognize all of the ways you've changed over the past year. We're often so caught up in the day-to-day that we don't always notice the physical, mental, or spiritual alterations that we've undergone over a number of weeks or months, until we're asked to take a personal inventory. This podcast debuted in June of 2022 with a conversation between myself and the founders of Little Kitchen Academy, Felicity and Brian Curran. And a year later, we all got together again. So welcome to the first anniversary of Meet Me in the Kitchen. And a sincere thank you to all of you who have joined us on this journey, either as a participant or as an interested observer. We're extremely proud of what we've created so far, and we're even more excited about what's to come next, which begins with a chance to catch up on how this podcast has evolved, how Little Kitchen Academy has grown, and how Felicity and Brian have changed since we first sat down 12 months ago. Well, happy anniversary, because this is the anniversary episode. I know it doesn't get released on exactly the same day we released the original with the two of you, but it is the one-year anniversary, so happy anniversary to the two of you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, and back to you. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. You've been incredible. I mean, you probably could have done it, but... You didn't do it without me. We wouldn't have done it as well. How's that? It would have been odd without you because no one would be asking the questions. So it would be a very strange podcast. Well, we're in the world of AI now. So by the time we do this a couple of years from now, you might just have a bot doing what I'm doing right now. Let's hope not. Scott bot. A Scott bot. Let's start with the first year. And it'll be just over 25 episodes by the time this one is released. I believe this is episode 28. So... What are your thoughts on the first year of the podcast and what you've heard over the first year? I think most people who know me wouldn't be surprised if I said this wasn't something that I saw having a lot of legs because I wasn't really sure where it was going. But Scott, you send us the first cut every other Sunday night and I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to it and I find something new out every single time. And I I think 
if you looked at all of my responses, I feel like every single response has been best one yet. Am I right? <laughs> I think so. Because they're so beautiful and they're they're reaching somebody different. And you forget in the day-to-day how much we're doing and how many different stories that we're creating. And then all of a sudden you get to listen through somebody else's ears, unscripted, you know, disconnected to the core mission of what this podcast is about and hearing like sometimes I'm like oh my gosh we couldn't have scripted that better like they're explaining everything we want to share it's been wild I'm more proud of this than so many things I mean you know like I said looking at the wall in the 25th guest in an episode when we talked about doing this it was very selfish and it was about sharing the beautiful people these beautiful stories frustrated the media wasn't just seeing the beauty and this gift that we see with everybody. And I knew it could be special when we talked about doing it, but there was no strategy of, you know, having these incredible guests and learning so many new things. And it's one of the best parts about it is that when we hear an episode, especially with people that we know really well, we learn something new. And it's incredible that you and little kitchen and the relationship with it that people feel so comfortable being so vulnerable and just sharing these things that they didn't share with us over years and years and years but all of a sudden they're sitting back feeling really good and really comfortable and safe to be able to share these things because I think they realize how important these messages are and the impact that they're really having but I couldn't have imagined that it would be in you know one of the top 10% of most downloaded podcasts in North America or listened to in 90 plus countries with no strategy, no marketing, just purely authentic. We just want to share the amazing people that are on the journey with us that are making all of this possible and quite honestly, making us better people every single day. I don't want to use the word favorite here, because that pigeonholes a particular episode or a particular guest. But are there moments or guests that have stood out through the first year? Yes, absolutely. I loved Avery's. I thought it was really powerful. Luca and his bravery to chat. You know, this is not an easy thing to do as an adult to sit down and understand what's going on, what you're asking and, you know, talking into this weird little microphone knowing that it's not just this microphone that's going to hear it. You know, there's more for a young child to understand that or to be able to sit through that is really strong. Maya, who I still haven't met face to face yet, but, you know, I even listened to how she's changed you, right? Like you've mentioned her more times after your interview with her than before. It's, it's remarkable. Those have been important. I love our daughters, and, you know, I actually listened to it the other day again. So I think if you gave me enough time to answer that question, I might talk about every single person that's been a guest so far. I don't really know if I can pinpoint anything specific. You didn't download the daughter episode again because you don't want them to get ahead of you, right? <laughs> In most listened to episodes. <laughs> the whole group of us is competitive. I think if you asked everybody who we work with on a daily basis, what number their episode is at, they could tell you. And we do, we go back and forth often, but we don't send a chance with the girls because they just send it to their networks, right? I will say this though, that means they're very proud to share it. They're very proud of what it's become. And I do want to hear from you, Brian, which episodes and which guests have stood out for you over the course of the first year. But I do think there has been a pride from each and every one of the guests. Even the most recent one we talked about 
which was Mark Comfort, he said, are you okay if we share this with everybody and we push it up? Yes, absolutely. That's the whole point of doing this. Well, Canucks, sorry, Brian, to step in front of you, but the Canucks Autism Network should be really proud to have somebody of that caliber working for them. He's a beautiful man and I've only just heard his story. So they should be sharing that. It's a big episode for them. And for you, Brian, what stood out over the first year of the podcast? You know, I think you both said, I mean, everyone is amazing and we're so grateful that they're willing to just do this and share. I mean, from pure pride, excitement, you know, joy and in, in being part of this. But I was on a call actually today with somebody and they listened to every single one of our episodes and they made comments like, I really want to meet Steve Anthony. I want my kids to go to his school. He's so forward thinking. He's so open. And it's such a source of pride. It's like, he's our friend. He's our family. Our kids went to that school. And it's like, you get it too. He made a comment about David Kahn at Birkenstock. He's like, oh my gosh, he is such a soulful human being in his thought process and who he is. Like, I would love to try and meet him one day. And these are the people that we work with that are building this with us on our journey. But the one that really sticks out and it gets me every time is Maya. And you and I were sitting, you know, we meet once a month and have lunch and talk about, you know, the guests and everything. And I was in tears just talking about that episode with you because it strikes something so deep in me. And whether it's because I'm a dad of three daughters or I don't know what it is, but just the other day we were playing the intro to that one. And I welled up again. I'm so proud of what Felicity has created and what we have all built together that somebody like Maya not only has this place where she feels empowered. And I think you asked the question, you know, is it a superpower or do you feel, do you see someone powerful when you look look in the the mirror? mirror? And, and she said, yes. And it's like, And she shared on our platform with us and I'm getting choked up again, just talking about it because we did this and we didn't do it. She did it, but because we're willing to share who we are and be vulnerable and trust and, and invite people, you know, whether it's you or anybody to come in and be part of this with us. So genuinely the result was incredible and is incredible. And that's the one that even just listening to the intro, I well up again with pride and with joy that we're able to do it. I don't know if I told you this, but I talked to Maya's mom, Lucia, the other day, and she said something that you probably would like to know. She said, you know, who would have thought that my child, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, who has been in speech therapy all her life was a guest on a podcast. You know, like, wow, what a great way to see it, right? Like, that's awesome. And, you know, we have all of these beautiful opportunities and gifts. And I think, Brian, you're right. Like it's pride, but it's gratitude too. I mean, holy cow. And who else would do that? And I think that's, you know, like props to you for being able to be that person that is going to go to someone's home like that and set up mics and do these things because of our purpose, because of the why we're doing this at Little Kitchen Academy. And, you know, I think most people would say that's not going to work or the sound or, you know, it's got to be quality and we need to make sure that we keep listeners or something. And for us, it's like, we don't care. I mean, are you genuine? Are you honest? Are you a beautiful human being? Do you have something to say to the world and share? And it's okay, we'll figure that out. And you did, you just, we're going to figure this out. It's not lost on me that these people have chosen to be vulnerable in front of me, whether it's Maya or Luca 
the two children who have appeared on this podcast outside of my own <laughs> who did that. Who are amazing. Yes, <laughs> but I knew them already. Or Michelle Marin, who's talking about her negative relationship with food, and she's willing to share that with me so that she might help somebody else. Or you talked about Avery and some of the challenges he went through on his journey. Maya and Lucia invited me into their home. When you do that, we talked about that with even naming this podcast, Meet Me in the Kitchen. When you invite someone into your kitchen, that's an intimate experience. So it's not lost on me that someone is choosing to do that and put themselves out there. I feel a responsibility to help them tell their story well. And the guests, honestly, every single one, they've all been different, but they've all been incredible. They really have. The network of people that have come on here, these are incredible people you guys are associated with. We're pretty awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right, though. You know, that idea of, of why we named it Meet Me in the Kitchen and being in the kitchen. And we say it often with Little Kitchen Academy in general that, you know, food and what we do, it transcends language and culture and barriers and everything. Because it's what we've always been doing. You're in the kitchen. It's safe. It's your safe space. You have these conversations. You open up. It's not about the actual food. It's about everything else that's happening, all that magic, all that experience. And this has just become, without planning or any thought process, it's become an extension of that with every single guest. I mean, you know, Ricky Yada, you know, at UBC, I mean, you talk about someone who he can say it better than any of us. I mean, he was using our words and after all these years of education and everything, just totally connecting with the purpose and giddy about it, just lighting up. And you could hear that through, you know, his voice and all of our guests that are deeply connected to everything that we're doing. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I'm wondering, because you guys are connected to all of these people, what has the reaction been from the network of people and the broader audience as well? Because I do the podcast, I'm very proud to put it out, but I don't know all of these people the same way you do. Well, I know that the guest is always thrilled. Think of Luca's mom. She's like, my whole family and friends can't wait to hear it. And it's nice to share these different sides to you with everybody, you know, and it's, it's, it's emotional. It's, it's really, it's incredible to see. And I just am so proud and it just reminds me every day. It just recharges my batteries, you know, about what we're doing and who we're doing it with. But the excitement and you know who else you should do, you know who else would be great because they understand this non-pattern that we're building, right? And what about this person? Or, you know, this person has a great story. And sometimes it's just even what we're doing with our children, you know, our Little Kitchen Academy students, we're building confidence. And maybe having someone understand that their story is important to others is also building their confidence. And it's it's pretty wild. You're right. And this has become a powerful tool accidentally <laughs> and we always talk about like don't touch it if we touch it we're going to screw it up right don't think about like oh who would be good for us or who could be the next guest everything is just authentic and organic they come to us and say like i'd really like to be part of your podcast like i have something i want to share or oh my gosh my child has transformed i would love to share this because i think more people like maya's mom need to hear this because it could impact others you know there probably isn't a day or two that goes by where we're not utilizing or sending this out in pride. Someone says, oh, I'm really interested in Little Kitchen. Okay, have you listened to our podcast? Because listen to them, not us. We don't need to tell you. They say everything you ever need to know about why we did it, who we are, why the impact is there, this idea of changing lives from scratch and how it truly, truly is having that impact. And it's become the best thing ever <laughs> for us. How has it changed that relationship, whether it's with 
a potential franchisee or an existing franchisee or anyone else in your network that maybe doesn't know what's going on every day? How has it changed that relationship being able to have this tool to give to them? Truthfully, it's made my job a lot easier. A great example is we have two new practicum students from UBC starting on Monday. And, you know, I send them a welcome package and all of our expectations and our training men and everything. And I sent two links. You mentioned Michelle. I, I sent Michelle's link and I sent Rikiata's link. And I said, listen to the decision maker, Ricky, who wanted this program in place and listen to one of the people that has been in your shoes. And then you'll get a really strong idea. So I, I'm using it as a bit of a resource. It just helps reaffirm what we're talking about and it takes a little bit of pressure off me. It's not unlike when we're doing marketing or we're doing interviews and we're doing all these things. You know, Brian gets so mad at me because I'm like, don't interview me, interview the student because I'm going to tell you what I imagine, what I hope, what we're working for. The romance of it's going to be the dream, but the child will tell you what's going on, right? The child's going to tell you the truth. And I feel that these podcasts will also do that. You know, when we ask somebody to be on it, if they're interested, the first thing I say is, I don't need you to sell Little Kitchen. Like, I don't need you to do this. I want you to share a connection that you have with Little Kitchen, but I want you to share your story because your story is going to connect others and they need to hear it. And I feel like it's just helping me express what I know to be true through a different <laughs> a different microphone. You're welcome <laughs> for that. <laughs> no, but it's a really good point because there have been a number of people who've come on and I imagine the perception of the guest, whoever it happens to be, is, okay, you want me on your podcast to tell you all these great things about Little Kitchen. If you feel like sharing that, great, but let's find out a little more about you. I think of Chris Connor. And when Chris came on, he had no idea that we were going to spend our time talking about his life and his journey, as opposed to his affiliation with LK. We got to that eventually, but he was moved by that, and that helped the whole conversation develop. Yuri Fulmer comes on and is willing for a guy who's done more than most people will do in two lifetimes from a business perspective. He's willing to come on and tell a story about when he felt like about the lowest he could feel, and that's why he decided to change his life. This podcast has given people that forum, and I love that about it. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And by the way, so I was only mad at Felicity for close to three and a half years before I got it. Now I get it. <laughs> and I think, I think everybody can agree if you meet her or listen to her. I mean, she could, and you should have your own talk show, and you, you're the best little kitchen, everything. All of us sitting around our table here, all of these students, Maya this impact when you talk about that it's because of you like it's because of you you didn't want to share it you wanted it for yourself and it's being shared with so many other people and it's because of you like this impact is happening that we're even sitting here talking about these incredible human beings that are in our life now and have felt this gift and been a part of it so i won't say anger the frustration is just like realize how great you are because no one can articulate it better except for our students and our instructors and our directors and our franchise partners and our global brand partners and people just pass through our orbit and are part of it. And they are the best people. You don't have to hear it from any of us. And I actually finally get that, you know, our first episode, you know, I was in a different place. Now, you know, we don't care about rankings or you know, the cover of a magazine or a feature story or 
anything because, well, we don't have to. We have this. And we're sharing in the most genuine, authentic way you possibly could. And it's working. I'll give you credit for hearing it early and saying, we got to do more. Because the original plan, and as I said, this is the anniversary episode, and it comes out just before the four-year anniversary of the opening of the original Little Kitchen, which is a few steps from where we're sitting right now. But you said early, Brian, 12 isn't going to be enough for the first year. We were planning on doing one per month, and here we are, and we're well more than double that in the first year. That's a good segue into what's happened in the last year. So where is Little Kitchen Academy at right now? as it continues to impact people all over the place? You know, from a company standpoint, and this is part of our opportunity or challenges, we, we never take a look back. Usually, we're just so busy building and expanding and meeting great people and doing things like this. But I mean, now we have 12 locations open in Canada and the US. We have another, I think, 12 or 14 opening between now and towards the end of the year you know, expanding with our partners. We've had incredible offers from TV companies, production companies to do docu-series and things like that, to partnerships that would accelerate us globally, taking us to different parts of the world. I mean, it's been a crazy ride just in the past year. And I think the most important thing is, I think a year ago, we were at 40,000 student visits or something like that, or well over 60,000 students that have been able to come through Little Kitchen Academies in Canada and the U.S. Something I'm pretty excited about, you know, I think I might have mentioned it last year, so forgive me, but there was such a big focus on the impact that we're making on our students. But now with the expansion, there's over 200 people working within this Little Kitchen Academy umbrella, right? And there's so much more happening now, you know, and these beautiful 20, 30, 40 somethings who've given their life, they've put their previous career, their education path on hold. And they've said, no, let's feed my soul for a bit. Let me come in and do something that's really joyful. They are transforming right in front of our eyes, just like their students, you know, and that's really exciting. You know, and I share this often. I really want, like, I get quite passionate when, you know, I see something that maybe wasn't done the way we really wanted to see it done, or it hasn't been handled the way I think maybe Little Kitchen could handle it. I get really upset about it. And I don't get upset because of the action, because everybody makes mistakes and we learn from them. I get upset because I'm not able to be in there anymore. I've had to be removed and I don't get to show a child how to crack an egg. So if I find somebody who's not as excited about it, it it doesn't connect with me properly. So I get emotional about it. And so I'm really shifting my energy into enjoying the fact that I get to share this love with others and they get to do it. That is pretty cool, right? And you know, like look at Fiona, look at your wife, look at my sister. She has moved into this massive powerhouse of a human specifically in the last year, but in the last four years, she's grown and she's become this massive champion of this standard of excellence that we've set. And then I can list everybody around our table, you know, sweet Katie, who's been with us almost since we opened. There isn't her dream job yet in this company, but she's like, I'm waiting, I'm here, I'll do whatever. And I'm going to do it better than anybody else until that dream job opens up for me. And that's really wild. And that's been a massive, gosh, that's been a big warm hug that you feel all the time. It's a great way to describe it. And I think in this past year, Felicity and I and our whole entire team, like everyone has grown so much and we're so proud of every single one of them. But I think the clear thing that's come out is that we really know who we are. Like we really understand what we have. We really know where it's going. Again, we know who we are unapologetically. 
and you know, we don't make exceptions. I think we've learned a lot this year too on intentions because what a great thing to be a part of where everybody that sees a little kitchen academy hears the podcast, looks at our website, heard from somebody else. However, they come across from it, it's the same reaction. It's never, I don't get it, or what is that? Or I don't know, could that work? Or the reaction is 100% all the time. Oh my gosh, I love this. I wish I had this growing up. I wish my kids could have gone to this. My kids need to go to it. My kitchen should look like this. It's just so powerful, not because of us, but because of all the people that are surrounding us in this environment. And at the end of the day, it's because of the students. Like when we get out of the way, when everyone realizes, and it's hard to understand what we really do, it's trying to stay so disciplined to stay out of the way. This podcast and why it's working, stay out of the way. <laughs> don't overthink it. Don't try to be strategic. We don't monetize this at all. We just keep doing it. And I think that's the thing that's probably more clear than anything is the confidence level of what we are and what we're not, more importantly. The podcast is a good reflection of that in many ways as well, because there are oftentimes I do these episodes and I look at the waveforms. You don't really need to worry about, but mine has very little on it. And the guest has massive amounts. And I realize I barely talked. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because that means they're comfortable enough to share and be vulnerable and tell us the emotional part of the story. You guys told me a year ago when we did this that you both had completely different ideas about the thought of franchising. Brian was on it from the get-go. You were very hesitant, Felicity. And part of the reason now that makes it hard is you're not in the environment on a day-to-day -day basis. I do want to know what it's like for you when you fly into a new city and you see a new little kitchen academy, whether it's Portland, whether it's suburb of Toronto, whether it's Edmonton, which is coming soon. What does that feel like? It's awe. That's what I feel, complete awe, because here I'm meeting, you know, 10 or 15 new people who have been trained to think the way I think and who are excited to meet us and to say, oh, I can't wait to show you what I'm doing. I can't wait to show you how I present a class and how I chat with a student. It really makes me happy. It makes me want to stay a little bit longer and put on a pair of chef shoes and actually get in there. But I also, I think I've moved into, or I'm trying to move into this evolution of here is my job to elevate everybody else now. You know, I'm not an expert by any means in anything in life other than what's going on in those four walls. I am an expert there and our entire team, everybody we train is an expert in those four walls. And it's so fun to share these beautiful moments with everybody. You know, doing LKU, having these new franchise partners come in, I'm just so excited for them because I feel great watching these little children or these big children, who are we kidding, you know, use a can opener for the first time and feel really great about it. And that's a 17 year old, if you can believe it, right? Or having a child crack an egg and scream with excitement. I get to share that and I get to experience it through somebody else's lens, which is really nice. It's still hard. Right. It's still hard. You know, I said, I listening to the girls podcast the other day, you know, that's my mom. You know, I want to do this. And yeah, I really do. I want to be in there and I want to take these pictures and I want to watch them sneak a big chunk of cheese and, and do all these fun things. But it's rewarding seeing others do it. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the girls and, you know, that's my mom. And a year ago, you know, one of our daughters was in Toronto going to school, focused on a certain major and she made a decision to now move 
back to Vancouver to go to UBC and shifting her focus on early childhood development and, and special needs because she sees what her mom has done, what Little Kitchen does and the impact it's having. And she's actually now our assistant director. So our little daughter <laughs> that was interviewed before is now this woman, this young woman, powerful, you know, as an assistant director in something that we created. And that's pretty special to us. I think from the franchise perspective, when we say we really know who we are now and where we're going and what we're doing is, you know, we've don't make exceptions, um, which makes it hard to find great people. It makes it hard to find great people that have the right intention, not only in the beginning because they want to be part of this, but that are actually true to that and stay true to that. And whether Felicity, you know, you didn't share it, but I, I would imagine too that when we do go into a new market, that it's a mixed feeling. It is that awe. It's that, oh my gosh, and look what we did. And, you know, these incredible people are part of it. And it's also that, that nervousness of, I hope they can continue to do it. I hope they're true because that's really what franchising is, is you're getting into business, not by yourself, but with other people. And there's a system and there's all these things in place not to come in and do it differently or dilute the brand or dilute the purpose or, you know, the reasoning behind it. So a year ago, it was, you know, looking at how do we expand more and find more franchise partners. And now we're saying, you know, it's tough to find those great people that have the ability to do it. But there's amazing people that want to be part of it that don't have the financial ability to do it necessarily, but they've got everything else more than most. So now looking at how do we empower them? How do we get them and change their lives by them coming in and changing our lives and sharing this gift in such a genuine way? And I think that's a huge difference from where we were probably a year ago. It's interesting because the standard and the experience is so unbelievably high. You know, and you look, I don't want to brag or anything, but if you look at our Google reviews, you look at our feedback, it is unbelievably high. So could you cut corners and just do something, you know, on the bare minimum? Unfortunately, you could, and it would still be great because there isn't anything like this. So the people we choose have to understand that it's more than just getting the job done at the end of the day. It's really helping these children become right? And it's just getting out of the way and letting them have this beautiful, safe space to grow themselves in that three-hour time and not cut corners and not, you know, do things just a little bit faster so we can get through it a little bit quicker. It's really spend that beautiful time and let them blossom. Like everybody knows hydroponic fruit or, you know, a selective fruit or forced fruit or vegetable isn't as good as something that takes its time and spends the time in this beautiful, perfect environment mother nature gives you. It's very similar, right? We have to let these children have the time. And that has been an interesting journey, making sure that we have these people who really understand that. And I think we're getting pretty good. I think we're getting pretty good at filtering out the difference. And I think that people now are starting to realize because our team is so strong. And, you know, when you have a group of people that's so committed, it's working so hard only for one reason, to make sure everyone is successful, to make sure that those students walk out an inch taller with pride than when they walked in, delivering on what we set out to do in the beginning, delivering what Felicity originally was imagining before Little Kitchen was even Little Kitchen Academy of these students just being empowered. And when you have such a, you know, lofty and almost audacious 
vision and purpose of becoming a global leader and teaching practical life skills and, and food literacy to children. And when you're that serious and committed about it, you start to realize we're not screwing around and the posturing changes and the attitude changes and our skepticism grows deeper in people that want to be part of this. And it's like, well, why? Because everybody does and everyone's going to tell us the same thing. But at the core, you know, are you in it for the right reasons? Because this is the long game. And for us, it's constantly looking at that and making sure we're protecting our people, our family, because when you have founders that are a husband and wife that have put everything into something, you know, for the greater good, and you've got three daughters that are, you know, instructors and one an assistant director, and, you know, their lives have been changed with this, people realize we're not screwing around. And Little Kitchen Academy is, you know, parking for good human beings only. (laughs) All others can go park somewhere else. Well, changing lives from scratch isn't just a catchy phrase that you throw on the wall. People have to know what that means, and they have to embody it. And if you think back to episode one, which was the two of you, you may not remember the exact quote, and I may get it a little bit wrong here, but it was you, Felicity, and you basically said, we will not compromise a child's experience. We won't compromise it. I don't care how many steps have to be taken. We won't do that. And unless you're willing to embody that, you can't be a part of this because These children are too important. We are trusted with the most valuable assets in the world. These young minds, you know, people's children. And if someone is willing to devalue that, to not go above and beyond every day to ensure that they're protected, they're safe, they're empowered, they're getting these skills, then yeah, this is not the place for that person then. Yeah, I I hear, and I try not to hear it, but I hear feedback sometimes where I think I've been called draconian, right? Immovable, difficult. That was one time and I didn't think you (laughs) You heard me. It wasn't you, Brian. (laughs) If it was you, you're in trouble. You'll pay for that later. Just, you know, really difficult and um, unreasonable and that's just too bad. You know, I would hope people would say thank you because, and I'm not looking for the thanks, don't get me wrong. It's just, we have to protect these children. And it's not that they're not protected in their home, in their families, but the standards that we have are set, not because we're jerks. We've set them because we know that this is the best place for them. We know that they're going to transform. And I don't make any apologies for that. And I stand by it. And Brian, I'll tell you, I've gotten us into a lot of trouble in a lot of meetings, you know, where, whoops, the connection failed. And I just uh, end up leaving a Zoom call or I've walked out on people that don't connect properly with this because I'm not willing to sacrifice it. And if that's not something that you're willing to join me on, that's okay. This isn't for you, right? And we're not for you. And that's okay. A hundred percent. And I think when we talk about, you know, what's changed and, you know, we become better people and, you know, I think. On one hand, you know, I know I become more sensitive and tuned in a bit more, but I've also become more skeptical and it's out of protection for everybody else and the brand and our students and these families and these communities. They deserve the best. This company deserves the best. This brand deserves the best. Everybody who's putting so much hard work and effort deserves nothing but the best. And we just won't make those exceptions. And we've had a few bumps in the road that unfortunately, you know, have made us more protective. It's also made us better. Way better. Yeah. So you told me what's coming in the next few months. What does the future look like for the next few years in your mind right now? Because we talked about this a little bit last year, but I'm wondering how this past year has refined 
each of your vision or your combined vision for what Little Kitchen Academy is going to be? I've become way more confident in what we're doing. You know, having the Montessori Association that I went to school with reach out and and connect and share was huge for me. I thought, you know, taking a bit of an inspired approach on this Montessori pedagogy, some people may not like, you know, and then to have the school that taught me and inspired me and trained me to be the best version of myself in this matter, applauding us and saying, look, this is what we mean. I do. I share it all the time. I say, if Maria Montessori walked down the street, she'd look in the windows and say, this is exactly what I meant. This is exactly it. And I'm very confident in that. And I I think over the next few years, not to give away too much, I have a feeling a few new languages are going to have to be learned by myself and Brian and the team because it's transcending the borders, right? We're moving, we're growing, and who knows where we're going to be, you know, this time next year and how many more languages we have under our belt. And, you know, is there another zero after our franchise location count? I don't know. But the confidence is growing, understanding just what we have in front of us. You know, I can't wait to see, you know, growing more vegetables and really understanding this full circle in terms of where our food is coming from. I think our exceptional learners program can be really strong. I think there's a lot of room there to grow. I actually also think that the actual Montessori training part, the component can get a lot bigger. You know, so many of our instructors, like every location has between 10 and 12 people that work for them. And I would bet I can share with my locations or our locations for sure, where 75% of those people People want more training. They are more interested in learning more about this pedagogy. And I suspect it's similar in our other locations. So I think there's room there as well. And I also think about one of our instructors who is a pediatric nurse and the ideas that she's coming to the table with, you know, around maybe branching out in this food literacy and really starting to help support parents. There's room there too. You know, there's, this is going to get a lot bigger. Don't say cookbook or Natalia will be after you. I, I've been trained well. I will not say cookbook. Natalia, it's not going to happen for a while. I can assure you. <laughs> I think, you know, expanding on what Felicity said, I think there's a lot of firsts that are going to come. You know, this is a first of its kind. Our podcast is the first of its kind podcast. Our strategy to growing or not growing it is a first of its kind, but there are a lot of first of its kind things that are going to be coming down the road and introduced out there and things that will take Little Kitchen Academy and share it outside of our kitchens to you know families that don't have a Little Kitchen Academy near them yet, but can still somehow take advantage of this great curriculum and our global brand partners and the tools and things like that to be a part of what we're doing. You know, a lot more people around the world are going to be impacted by Little Kitchen Academy as well, which is really exciting. It's fantastic. A lot has changed in a year. Have either of your ingredients changed? Oh, that's a good question. I think, Brian, are you going to unveil? Because I know you've been talking about it for a while. Listening to our podcast, because, you know, you don't tell us anything. Um, Sometimes you'll send us a text, oh my gosh, just wait till you hear it, but you won't tell us anything. And then we hear it, you know, with the preview, like Felicity said on the Sunday, and it's like, you get to the point, get to the point. It's like, okay, the one ingredient, what is it? And you're always wondering, are they going to choose food? Are they going to choose something else? And it's probably one of my favorite parts of Meet Me in the Kitchen. Mine has changed a few times. It depends on the day. Sometimes it could be frustration. Sometimes (laughs) it could be, you know, joy, but it went from resilience to tenacity. Why is that? I think going back to what has come out of this past year of really knowing who, for me, knowing who I am, not being apologetic for my expectations of myself or for anyone else. 
I realized that my one trait, the thing that I'm really, really good at is being tenacious. And that's why it's in there. I think, you know, it relates, you know, to being in the kitchen too, I think, (laughs) trying to figure things out sometimes, but it really is. It's that idea of tenacity and not giving up. And no matter what, there's never a no, you know, there's never a no for us. It's just trying to figure out a different way. And to do that, you've got to be tenacious. You don't get to where you are. We have not gotten to where we are, this team, this group, our brand in such a short time frame and gotten the recognition and attention from groups we never could imagine. I mean, whether it's celebrity parents down in our our LA location that you're going, what? Like, I mean, mind blowing to people that want to come and invest in the company with only a few locations. They see that impact and realize that it is going to be global sooner than later. You know, that's where I think it just, it comes from and it feels really good actually. Tenacity. Have you changed yours, Felicity? No, I haven't. But I actually think there's an evolution coming. I do think it is going to change. If you forced me to choose something today, it would probably be along the lines of vulnerability, I think. What I'm learning is independence is really strong. And obviously, that's what we want to help create with everybody within this little Kitchen Academy community. But what I'm understanding about me is that I can't be independent now. You know, I need a team of all of these people to help. And I can't do the things in my own little bubble. Brian will be so happy to hear me say this because he's always like, you can't do it like this. You can't lock in. And I do recognize that I need help and I need to give a little bit and I need to let the reins go so everybody can stretch their wings a bit. So I think there is a change coming. And vulnerability I like because it helps open up lines of communication. And I recognize that we're just trying to do our very best, but we've never done this today, right? tomorrow I've never done what I'm going to do tomorrow and I have to recognize that I'm going to make mistakes or I'm going to have to take a breath or maybe I'll make a decision a little too quickly or what have you and I need to recognize that you know this world is so different now right these people in front of us are gentle and really sensitive and really well versed in what tickles them and we have to be ready to listen to them and to put ourselves in their shoes in order to communicate properly so yeah there is a change coming I just I'm not ready for it yet (laughs) I'm still me Scott it's just the way it is (laughs) (laughs) well I still have not revealed the one ingredient that's in my kitchen I feel like it's Norm's wife from Cheers or Jimmy Kimmel trying to get Matt Damon to come on. I feel like that's going to be the mystery that goes forward. And then someday I'll reveal it, but I've never revealed it on the podcast. One day I perhaps will though. Maybe we should start guessing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we should start guessing. Yeah, I think that's maybe that you, you change the format of, you know, before you answer what your one ingredient is, can you guess what my one ingredient is? <laughs> it's got to be something around like the creativity side. Like, do you remember Christmas one year when you built the vending machine? I do. Or the wallet with all the activities. Like you're, there's a creative side. There's something. Yeah, this, this is going to be a good conversation. There's two things I wanted to share is, you know, in this past year too, the amount of Felicity had mentioned it, the reviews we've had, that is the most rewarding thing ever. When you have a parent that is taking that time, none of us have time. When you have a parent that's willing to take that time because they're like, I need to share this because other people need to see this. And we recently had one from a parent in LA and it was, you know, it was like my boy loves, you know, Little Kitchen Academy, four years old and, you know, learning percentages and fractions and everything. And it's like, you see these where it's like, that's why this is happening. And when you see that impact, there's so much pride in that. A year ago that, you know, it just, it's changed so dramatically. It's almost like we hit this tipping point. It's like, we're here now. 
and Little Kitchen Academy, we kept saying, you know, it's changing lives from scratch. It's going to change the world. It's going to change the world. I mean, we are like these kids, this generation that needs this so desperately and is reacting to it so positively and so well, more than we could have ever imagined is pretty incredible. And I think, you know, since we started this in the first episode too, and, you know, I want to figure out what your one ingredient is, but I mean, you've gone from, you know, I think I can do this pretty comfortable. I mean, you're very talented in radio and everything else, the creativity, but you, (laughs) you learned podcasting in a sense for us, with us. And not only did you learn it, look at the success of our podcast. And then you came up with this creative idea and introduced, you know, the world really to another podcast that you did. And if we can mention... Yes, you're welcome to mention it. The name, West Coast Express. (laughs) It's really good. Okay, West Coast Express, where it's like, you and I are talking like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, I was interviewing, you know, Wayne Gretzky. And then you're interviewing Maya. And then you're interviewing us. And it's like, we're so proud of that aspect, Scott. And part of the pride is seeing the impact that you've made, but also the changes in you. Like we say it all the time, he's enjoying this and he's becoming so good at it. And then we hear from our guests, oh my gosh, Scott's great. I'd love to hang out with him. I want to have a scotch with him. I want to get together with him. That's your brother-in-law. Like they're so comfortable with you because you just set everybody at ease and your questions are, I always say it's like the level of like Lisa Ling. It's so mindful, thoughtful, and genuine. And you can't create that. That just happens. And, you know, we've gotten calls from large companies saying, who's doing your podcast? Like, what do you mean who's doing our podcast? Is it like Wonderly or somebody? Or like, we do it. Like, right, but who's actually doing it? We're like, well, Scott, our brother-in-law, <laughs> you know, Scott Rintoul. And they're like, wait, you guys do all this stuff on your own? Like, well, yeah, we're doing this. I mean, so what a sense of pride that we built this together over, you know, a quick conversation and sitting in our living room trying to figure out, I don't know, what could it be? And here we are. I just want to write down the name of these big companies. <laughs> I'm kidding. I will say this podcast has been a gift for me. You're right. At the beginning it was, okay, what could we make this into? And we're going to do this once a month. But as you guys know, most of my background has been in sports. So most of my interviewing and subject matter has been associated with sports. This was a challenge and it's been extremely rewarding. I really enjoy doing it. The people that you guys bring on, I tell you this all the time and I mean it. The reason it works is because of the people. Like I'm the facilitator, that's fine. But the reason it works is because of the guests. And I've had the great pleasure to talk to so many different people that I didn't know and I can't wait to see who's next, quite frankly. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you've been a joy. Thanks for the Scott. Happy anniversary. <laughs> you guys, aw. One of our favorite oh, wines. You remembered? Fiona told you. No? Fiona told me. Like most good ideas <laughs> in my life, they come from my wife. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Meet Me in the Kitchen is curated and produced by Toolkit Content. You can find more information about Little Kitchen Academy, including classes, locations, employment, and franchise opportunities at littlekitchenacademy.com. What's the one ingredient that's always in your kitchen?